about the most valuable thing you have ever lost in the water. Back in the summertime, there was a story making the rounds in sports news about Julio Jones, the Falcons wide receiver. And the big story was that Jones had been jet skiing and lost an, an earring, a diamond earring that some reports said were, was worth $100,000, and others said, no, it was $150,000. And so some of the news outlets were saying he hired a team of divers to go look at the bottom of the river for it, uh, the bottom of the lake. And then he said, no, I didn't really do that. Well, whatever the story is, it was all over the news, and the earring was never found. So it's still out there, and so if you want to go diving, you can search for it. <laughs> but just this little diamond stud down at the bottom of the lake. And I can think about a time when I was about um, maybe 14 years old. My family went to visit um, some friends in Windsor, Ontario, which is right across the river from Detroit. And they took us out to this place where all of the boats like to gather, and we went snorkeling. Doesn't that sound exciting, snorkeling in the Detroit River? <laughs> it's actually a really beautiful piece of water that they've cleaned up and done some amazing work with. But at this particular place where all the boats would gather, you could snorkel down and, and dive deep, and you would find all sorts of things that people had lost off the sides of their boats. They had lost cans of soda and other beverages that were unopened. <laughs> You could find towels, all sorts of things. So it was almost like a treasure hunt. The reason I'm saying this is because we know, regardless of the weight, most of the time when we drop things in the water, they sink down to the bottom. And they're mostly gone. Unless we, you're intrepid enough to dive in and go after it, it it's usually a lost cause. And so we find this peculiar little story in the scriptures. It's one of Pastor John's favorites. I don't really know why. It's not <laughs> a strange one. Because we find this story of an axe head that has been lost in the river. But before we get to that, the magic of that axe head coming up out of the water, I want to give you a little bit of context. Because this is taking place with the prophet Elisha. If you'll remember, we've done a series about Elijah and Elisha a while back. And if you remember in that series, we talked about how he had prayed for a double portion of the Spirit of God that Elijah, his teacher, had. Elisha followed in his footsteps, and when he saw Elijah go up into the sky, carried off on the chariots of fire in Scripture— caught up in this whirlwind by God. He was there and present, and the cloak of Elijah fell down, and Elisha the prophet went to retrieve it. And at that time, there were about 50 prophets in Jericho who saw what was taking place. They saw all of this transpire, and so they knew that the power of God was now on Elisha. So they wanted to be near that. You know how it is. When, when you see someone who has the power of God 
just exuding from them. You know and you recognize and you want to go and follow in their footsteps. And so these prophets became quite a, a band of prophets that would go with Elijah wherever he went. I can't imagine all the things they witnessed. The scripture tells us a few of the things that Elisha did. He healed people. He brought the dead back to life. Even early in his ministry, another miracle with water, he had taken the very cloak of Elijah, wrapped it up, and smacked the river with it. And the Jordan River just parted, and he was able to walk across as if he were Moses in the Red Sea. And so you think about this amazing power that Elisha had. So these prophets stuck close to him. And it was these prophets who were witnesses to things that he did. They weren't just witnesses, but sometimes they were even agents within these miracles that he would perform. And there were benefits to being part of this, this band of prophets. One was that you knew that your widows would be cared for. And that's another story we hear about Elisha taking care of one of the widows of the prophets. And the prophets built a common dwelling that they were going to live in together. And Elisha would also preside over common meals that they would have. Um, so it was a really special relationship that they all had. And Elisha was just an amazing charismatic figure. One of the stories in the Bible talks about a time that Elisha was walking and this group of children came out and started taunting him. You know what they called him? They said, get out of here, Baldy. Get on up the road. And they were making fun of his bald head. And so he cursed the children. You know what happened? It's kind of a scary story. It's one of those weird, creepy things in the Bible. He lost their hair. No. <laughs> worse. Two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. <laughs> it's frightening, terrifying stuff when we, when we hear that. But that was the kind of power that Elisha had. You know how, how it says, God protects those who are for him. Amen? And, and so when Elisha called on the power of God, even for that, God was there. God was present. God would do whatever was necessary at the time. And so, uh, as, as this is going on, surely the prophets, there must be even more of them wanting to come and be in the presence of Elisha. And so it came time that they needed to have an even bigger place to, to inhabit together. So the plan was, Elisha said, go, every one of you, just go and chop down a log and bring it back, and we'll build a new house together. Could you imagine if we wanted to build a new church, we'd say, hey, each and every one of us, we're going to go chop down our own log and bring it back. <laughs> How quickly could we assemble something? <laughs> that would be hard work. Well, um, this one particular guy had the unfortunate incident that takes place here where the axe had flew off of his axe and into the water. You know that feeling when you've borrowed somebody's tool and then you've destroyed it? Oh, that's the worst. 
you've lost or you, or you know that you can't give it back. Uh, oh no, my axe head. And, and imagine, I don't even know how many chops the man had been able to get in there. Maybe his log was only halfway hewn, I don't know. But he was having a very difficult time. But Elisha just takes a piece, I mean, he takes a little piece of wood off of a tree, and he throws it into the river. And all of a sudden, this axe head just floats up to the top of the water. And he says, reach in and pull it out. And so that's what the prophet has to do. He just lifts it out of the water. And you think, why is, is this story here? It's kind of strange. It's kind of bizarre that it's this magical event is happening. We know that Elisha has used the power of God for so many amazing things. Why would he do something so seemingly insignificant with his power? And if you think about it, it's because we're told in Scripture to ask the Lord for anything. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek and you will find. And think about how many times in our lives we don't want to bother God with our problems. We don't think that it's important enough for us to, to deal with the master of the universe. We say, no, I, I have these problems, but think about all of those others who have lost so much and who are going through so many worse things than me. That's why I love this little, this little story. Because it reminds us that God's power is available in everything that we're doing. It's not just those major life events. It's not just those moments when we're in a life or death situation. It's not just when we need physical healing. It's not just when we need the, the power of God to act in a bold way. God is also able to work miracles in the small and in the insignificant pieces of our days and our lives. So often we frustrate ourselves because we don't take the time to go to the Lord in prayer. We don't put those problems that we have at the throne of grace. But this story is here to show us God can, can work amazing miracles even in those insignificant pieces. Those things that we don't think are worthy of God's time because God loves and cares for each and every one of us. This prophet who had given his life to follow Elisha and wanted to be able to do things in the name of the risen Lord, the name of God, he deserved God to work in miracle that way, to bring that axe head up out of the world. So think about, what are those things in your life that you've been allowing to frustrate you, that you've been allowing to take your motivation and steal your joy, that you haven't wanted to bother God with because you don't think it's big enough? Take the opportunity to turn that over to the because he calls us to serve him with every part of our lives, the big things and the small things. And 
it may be in those little moments, those little miracles that God will perform, that you'll begin to see more and more how you can trust in a God of mercy and grace, a God who brings you good things, and who wants all that you need to be provided. Jesus told us to consider the flowers of the to consider the birds of the air, how all of their needs are taken care of. And aren't we even more important to God than those? Aren't we even more blessed by our loving being? As we turn our lives over to our Lord, I pray that you'll take everything that you need to God and let God work a miracle, even in something that may suffer. Because God is here to bring his power into our lives in every place where we call upon his holy blessed name. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, help us to have faith in your power, to trust in what you can do, and to know that there's nothing so small that it's not in your control. There's nothing so insignificant that you don't care for us in it. Help us to bring all that we are and all that we need to you and trust in your provision. Thanks be to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who assures us of how much you love and care for each of us. Amen. Now we have the opportunity to taken off to give of our tithes and our offerings.